Parasite made history at the Oscars on Sunday. We'll take a look at its win and what it means for the future. Also, new research says the decline in religion in America might just be slowing down. And finally, Bernie Sanders gave his opinion on whether or not Democrats can also be pro-life. That's all ahead. This is Relevant Daily. It's Relevant Daily. Relevant Daily. Relevant Daily. Hey everyone, I'm Clark Flippo. Welcome to Relevant Daily, where we bring you what's happening at the intersection of faith and culture. All those stories are coming up, but first I want to tell you about Truett Seminary. At Baylor University's Truett Seminary, kingdom-minded women and men are equipped to follow their callings, wholeheartedly committed to rigorous academic instruction and intentional spiritual formation, Truett offers seven Master of Divinity graduate certificates, as well as seven joint degrees in the fields of law, business, education, social work, and music. Wherever your calling may take you, Truett Seminary will help you prepare for the journey. Learn more at baylor.edu slash Truett. All right, to tell us about today's stories, it's our senior editor, Tyler Huckabee. Hey, Tyler. Hey, Clark. Welcome to The Daily. Good to see you, man. Thanks, man. So first up, the Oscars were last night, and Tyler, you made a round of Oscar predictions last week. So how'd, how'd they work out? Uh, <laughs> not too well. I, I, things started off pretty good. My ballot was doing all right. But uh, like almost everybody else, I was really shocked in a good way when Bong Joon-ho and Parasite started cleaning up with a re- really a near sweep of the mm-hmm. major categories on a Thursday, I think I wrote that it would take a small miracle for the Academy to hand the best picture award over to Parasite. So what size of miracle did it end up getting? Because they got best picture, best director, best international feature and best original screenplay. That is a major award sweep. And with four Oscars, South Korean director Bong Joon-ho has now tied Walt Disney for most Oscars won wow. in a single night. Quite a feat there. Oh, it's amazing. And and for a movie that came with a lot of critical love, including our It Was Relevant's best movie of the year. We we loved the movie. We just thought it had really long odds for a solid Oscar haul. This has never happened for a non-English movie before. It's never won Best Picture. And uh, 1917 was the odds-on favorite for the night's major awards. But Bong prevailed. He became just the second person to win Best Director for a non-English film following uh, Alfonso Cuaron's Roma last year. And he became the second filmmaker of Asian descent to win Best Director following Ang Lee. So, uh, yes, when you say quite a few, that is certainly true. Yeah, so uh, for for those of us who haven't seen Parasite or don't know much about it, mm-hmm. what can you tell us about the movie? Yeah, and, and I, it's important to not give away too much to it because so much of the fun in Parasite is uh, going in without knowing very much. It takes place right. in South Korea, and part of the appeal is how universal its themes are, which really put class commentary under a microscope and then kind of turns them around on its head. So I don't want to say too much about the story. Almost anything you say can be a, a kind of a spoiler, but it starts out as sort of a maybe a dark comic type movie and then it becomes a little bit of a crime almost a thriller and then it becomes something really different and, and probably without a whole lot of comparisons to, to any movie you've seen <laughs> um, but throughout it all Bong is really focused on the ways that wealth ends up dividing people both on a larger mm. more more national or communal scale and also on smaller more familial scales it's, uh, it's, it's very funny it's very uncomfortable it's gripping it's moving uh, it can be uh, definitely thrilling and kind of haunting 
interesting in some parts too. And it, uh, I, I think it was the best movie of the year. And in a very rare moment, uh, the best movie of the year also won best picture of the year. So a, a great, uh, a very cool night for the Oscars in that respect, at least. Yeah, that's one I definitely got to get around to. Uh, I saw nineteen seventeen the night before, and I want to I want to see the rest of the uh, the nominees for sure. <laughs> so you probably thought you were seeing the best picture winner when you went to nineteen seventeen, dude. I mean, I thought so. I, I might be on the same same lane as Jesse, man. Like it blew my mind for oh, sure, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, incre- such an achievement for sure, in its own right for sure. Um, so any other uh, notable awards to speak of? Uh, it was a little more predictable uh, as expected. Brad Pitt and Laura Dern took home Best Supporting Oscars for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Marriage Story, respectively. And then Renee Zellweger and Joaquin Phoenix claimed the Best Actress and Actor prizes for Judy and Joker. Taika Waititi became the first Indigenous director to win an Oscar for adapting the Jojo Rabbit screenplay. And uh, as predicted, it, it was a smaller award, but it was really cool to see Matthew a cherry his excellent hair love one best animated short if you haven't seen that i really can't recommend it highly enough it's such a sweet little story we have it embedded over at relevantmagazine.com i would encourage you to go check it out for free yeah no reason not to it's like seven minutes long and it's so fun that's awesome so next up um new research says the decline in religion uh, in america might be slowing down a little bit yeah so uh this has been happening for a a couple of years now actually um the fastest growing religious demographic in america has been the nuns right we've talked about this a lot those are the people in america who mm-hmm. don't claim any religious affiliation at all they're not necessarily atheist or agnostic they just don't really identify with any one religion and uh it's been a source of consternation for religious leaders who are trying to get millennials and Gen Zers into church or other houses of worship because America, younger Americans say they distrust those institutions. But new data suggests that this so-called decline in religion might, just might, still early, we don't know yet, but might be slowing down and it might even be reversing course. Wow. So tell us a little bit about the decline. Okay. So this research come to us from two guys who we cite a lot on here. They're named Paul Jube and Ryan P. Burge. They did some data analysis over at Religion and Public, and their findings are really interesting. So starting around 1994, that's when you start to see those the rate of people who identify as nuns really exploding, starting at just 5%. And now in 2020, they're at about 30% of Americans. Uh, there have been more nuns in every subsequent generation than the one before. So the rate has risen from the greatest to the silent to the boomer generations, and now is seeing huge growth among millennials. But what you're saying is that trend isn't uh, what it used to be, right? That's that's right. So that trend is really tapering off among Gen Z. Now, that's still a pretty young and small sample size, but it's still very striking because this hasn't happened since the mid-90s. A 2018 CCES found that, and this is a quote, in 2018, 42.8% of millennials were nuns. That means atheists, agnostics, or people who just say they're nothing in particular. Now, 42.9% of Gen Zers also say they're nuns. It's about the same thing. That's the first time that we haven't seen any sort of growth in a year-over-year chart since this started happening. Now, Gen Z is still young. The oldest Gen Zers are just starting to graduate from college. So things could still shift as they start to grow up and age away from their parents. It's possible that we're just looking at a little hiccup here, not really part of a larger trend. And uh, obviously, we don't really know why this is happening yet. There's not enough data to try to parse out what might be changing. But 
it is something worth following really closely. And for data nerds out there who are really curious about the state of religion in America right now, this is a very significant development and it's one worth paying attention to. For sure. All right. So finally, Bernie Sanders is uh, saying that he thinks uh, Democrats have to be pro-choice. Uh, that is correct. Yes. Uh, so this is this is interesting, and this is going to be something that comes up probably an increasing amount as we head towards November. On Sunday, Democratic presidential candidate Bernie Sanders spoke at a forum called Our Rights, Our Corpse. Uh, it was uh, in Concord, New Hampshire, and he was asked about his views on Democrats who don't share his opinion on abortion, pro-life Democrats. Now, from mm-hmm. the stage, Sanders acknowledged that some of his colleagues in the House and Senate wouldn't call themselves pro-choice, but he said that being pro-choice was, and these are his words here, an absolutely essential part of being a Democrat. Here's the clip of that quote. Then is there such a thing as a pro-life Democrat in your vision of the party? I think being pro-choice is an absolutely essential part of being a Democrat. If you're asking me, if you're asking me, and, and I think, I may be wrong on this, I think in the Senate, probably 95% of the Democrats are pro-choice. You have a few who are not. Uh, in the House, maybe even a higher percentage. So that's kind of what my view is. I think by this time in history, I think when we talk about what a Democrat is, I think being pro-choice is essentially an essential part of that. So what's interesting here is Sanders is more or less tied right now uh, in the race for the nomination with Pete Buttigieg, who answered a similar question last week at a Fox News town hall. And he was a little more elastic on it, uh, a little more slippery about it. He says he said in his statement that he knows not all Democrats are pro-choice and he hopes they can find other areas of agreement. His exact quote was, quote, I am pro-choice and I believe that a woman ought to be able to make that decision, but I know that the difference of opinion you and I have is one we have come by honestly. So Sanders and Buttigieg are heading into New Hampshire neck and neck, representing competing visions for the future of their party. Sanders has captured the imagination of a more progressive, further wing of the left, while Buttigieg is trying to appeal a little more to the center. So um, the abortion question is an important one for religious voters. Is that right? It's important. It's important to sometimes overstate it, according to polls. Uh, It's popularly cited as sort of a deal breaker for Christian voters. But as we've discussed on here, Polling trends do suggest the question isn't quite the litmus test it sometimes is pitched as. Mm -hmm. American Christians are far more likely to list things like terrorism, immigration, and health care as their top priorities for 2020. Abortion falls a lot further down the list, but uh, it still is on usually the list of uh, of top 10 biggest concerns. So I would expect that this will come up, especially once we get out of the primary and into the general election. For sure. Well, uh, thanks, Tyler, and uh, congrats to Parasite. Congrats <laughs> for sure. to uh, your movie, and I uh, can't wait to see it. And uh, we'll see it. We'll see you later. Oh yeah, see you later. Thanks a lot, Clark. To read more about the stories and everything else we're covering today, make sure to check out the homepage at relevantmagazine.com. Also, for the latest, make sure to follow Relevant on social media. We're on Twitter at Relevant, on Facebook and Instagram at Relevant Magazine. Finally, subscribe to all our other podcasts. We're here every weekday, bringing you the latest at the intersection of faith and culture. Thanks for listening, everyone. This is Relevant Daily. Relevant Daily.